Today's episode of the Hot Forward Podcast is brought to you by SSV Limited. From tanks to full brew houses, SSV Limited has got you covered. In just five short years, SSV Limited have established themselves as your go-to partner to help you grow or launch your brewery. High quality tanks, parts, brewing kit and knowledge and experience to ensure your project runs smoothly from beginning to completion. Their newly launched part shop stocks well over 1,000 essential brewing parts to ensure your brewery is kept up and running. Visit their website on www.ssvlimited.co.uk or visit them on stand 11 to 13 at BRX on the 11th and 12th of March at the ACC Exhibition Centre, Liverpool. This is Nick Law and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hopforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Hot Four podcast. I'm sure many of you are well acquainted with the stories behind your favourite breweries. Perhaps you've read books such as Beyond the Pale by Ken Grossman from Sierra Nevada or Beer School written by founders of Brooklyn Brewery Steve Hindy and Tom Potter. You may have heard the cult narratives from breweries closer to home such as how Brewdog founders James Watt and Martin Dickey would sleep on bags of malt when mixing their passion and their profession in their newfound brewery. Or even more recently, you might have been closely following Bates and Miranda's journey and their ambitious plans that have seen them set up Duration Brewing, resurrecting a derelict building in Norfolk to bring something new to UK beer with a focus on fresh and sour beers with a Belgian and American influence. There are lots of legends, urban myths, yarns, tales and compelling stories surrounding many breweries, both home and abroad. Included in this list is none other than Manchester's Marble Brewing. Brewing up a storm since 1997, the brewery was originally housed in the rear of the flagship pub, the Marble Arch Inn. If you haven't been, put it on your bucket list, it's amazing. Moving to a railway arch in Williamson Street, or should that literally be squeezed into a railway arch, the brewery has spawned many of the UK's brewing alumni, such as James Campbell, formerly of Cloudwater, Dominic Driscoll of Thornbridge Brewery, and Colin Strange at Salt Beer Factory, amongst many others. It's easy to focus on the names in the world of brewing, and we should. We should celebrate these individuals that have spearheaded contemporary British beer in the 21st century. But as I met Marble Beer's owner Jan Rogers in the Marble Arch last December on the Beer O'Clock Crimbo Crawl, big shout out to Stephen Martin if you're listening, as she pointed out, there are many, many more people involved in creating the beers that we know and love today, such as Pint and Lagonda. And that's just Marble Beers. At the heart and soul of every brewery are its people. Whether that's the head brewer, shift brewers, sales force, marketing departments, accounts, sellermen, dray runners, taproom staff, administrators and all the other weird and wonderful characters that make up a brewery operation. They all contribute to those tingling tastes that tantalise the taste buds at the end of the working day. Try and say that five times really fast. Jan wanted us to share their story rather than her own behind the beers 
behind their experiences, what led them into the world of brewing, the highlights, the lowlights, the challenges that come from running a reputable brand with a small, close-knit team and draw upon their backgrounds and bring into spotlight the unsung heroes of the brewing and beer industry. So while today's episode comes from Marble Brewery, now spreading its wings on an industrial estate in Manchester within a stone's throw of Trafford Park and Salford Quays, it's dedicated to every unsung hero in the beer industry. And I can guarantee that is you listening to this podcast. Keep doing a great job at what you're doing. You might feel underappreciated. You might feel like you're not making a difference, but you'll never know when somebody signed the pub at the end of a long day enjoying a pint that maybe you sold or delivered to them or brewed or dug out of the mash tun or whatever it is you are the unsung heroes and this episode is dedicated to you so if you like the hot four podcast after that little uh, motivational speech don't forget to follow us on social media at hot forward beers and connect with us on linkedin subscribe to the show on subscribe to the show on itunes and spotify leaving a review so other people can find the podcast and maybe they can feel motivated as well check out hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you with your branding and marketing and beer business development and make sure you thank our sponsor ssv limited and don't forget to say hi to them at this year's brx conference in liverpool so let's crack open today's sesh with joe carl paul and flowers from marble brewery There you go. That's that's the, that's the starting call right there. Um, well, I'm I'm here at Marble Brewery in, in Manchester, and I've I've got several team members with me today. So I'm going to let you go around and introduce yourselves one by one. So we'll, we'll start on this side. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm the head of production here at Marble Brewery. I'm Carl. I'm a brewery assistant. Uh, I'm Paul. I'm one of the brewers. I'm another Paul, and I'm a sales manager for the brewery. And you've got the nickname Plowers. Yeah, yeah, it's just... It's, You've got to go into that. It's, there's nothing in it, it's just an abbreviation of my surname. You've got to make quite, something up on the no. spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's as boring as uh, a shortened version of my surname, which is Plowman. Plowman. Ah, there you uh, go. But when, we, when I first started at Marble, and while still currently, there was uh, three, there's three Pauls in the company. So when I started, uh, um, JK, our old head brewer, was like, right, we're not having that, there's too many Pauls, you need a nickname. So, yeah, it was already a nickname of friends, but there, yeah, so, hence I, I did kind of put you on the spot to make up something really, really exceptional. Yeah, there. no, really boring. But, well, I, um, I'm, I'm here today because um, I met Jan at the Marble Arch um, on the Beer O'Clock Crimbo Crawl, and I said I'd be great to do a podcast with, with you, and she's like, um, I've done loads of that kind of thing before, and everyone knows our story, but it'd be really good to interview the guys from the team because there's a lot of experience um, and you guys have got lots, lots of different backgrounds so um, I'd love to you w- w- one by one just can you can you um, give us an overview of your background and how and why you got into beer and how you ended up at Marble so we'll, we'll start with you Joe um, I first started working for Marble in my mid-teens given that Jan is my mother and owns it. So oh, there I, you go, look at that. <laughs> yeah, um, was, you know, asking for pocket money and stuff and would be sent to wash casks, help with transfers, dig mash tons, et cetera, et cetera, when the brewery was sort of very much in its infancy, um, small sort of 500-litre kit. Um, from there I left, tried a couple of other things, went to university. Uh, when I came to my 
final year of university, I had pretty much done well enough to not really have to worry about my exams and right. still kind of walk away with a certificate. So I went to a, another local brewery and sort of said, I'll, I just need experience, I'll come and work for you. You know, you don't have to pay me or you don't have to pay me particularly well. Got sort of six months experience there. Managed to impress, which was quite nice. And um, the owner of that brewery actually came to me on sort of my, my last day of intern work and gave me a massive, massive, at the time, brown envelope full of money and was like, cool, I'll see you next week. You start with me full time. This is, you know, this is what you would have been paid for the work you would have done. And I was like, uh, no, I'm going to go to the States for three months and uh, take this brewing thing kind of seriously. Uh, thanks for everything. See you later. And uh, yeah, went and did a, a bit of a tour of the States and then came back and, and started work for Buxton Brewery and sort of uh, was there for just under two years, around two years, helped them grow a little bit. And then from there, I went and joined Magic Rock Brewing and I'd obviously in touch with the family and spoken to Jan a lot and sort of said, you know, I, I'm really going to take this, this brewing thing seriously. I, I think I can do a lot with it. And, but I don't particularly want to come and work for you. I don't, nepotism is a bit of a, a cruel thing. And I don't think it's very fair for me just to sort of walk in and, and earn a sort of get a job. So I'll let me go and cut my teeth somewhere else. And then if it ever comes up that you need someone to come in and to a position or whatever, I'll, we'll work it out from there. And then, yeah, I went to, to Magic Rock, worked in Huddersfield for, four years, went through the, the brewery expansion there, learned a hell of a lot mm. and sort of felt I had some, some skills and some knowledge to bring here. And then her and JK were looking for someone else to bring into the brewery. And um, I sort of, you know, sort of sat down with me and, you know, talked about terms and stuff. And I, I came on board and then a year after I started, 18 months after I started, um, JK left. So I had a bit of a, a chat with Jan and was like, don't really want to be head brewer here. It's very tied down. I'll tell you what, don't rush out and just hire someone. Let me sort of tick things over for a year. I'll watch the brewery. I'll build a new site. We'll put the new kit in and then we'll get someone really good in and I can go and do my own thing. And, you know, the brewery is then going to be super solid. And after like three months, I was like, nah, fuck this. I'll have it. Let's, you know, I think we can, we can really, we can really push something here. So that's how that's come about. Here you are. Great. Cool. What about you, Carl? Uh, I've got a super generic middle-aged white guy story. Yeah, there you um, go. So this is probably like fifty percent of the guys in brewing at the moment have this same story. Uh, so I worked uh, in an office at one company for sixteen years, a, fi- a fire security company. Um, did a few different positions there. Early days, I really really enjoyed it, but there was over those sixteen years a sort of slow descent into madness. Um, and then I went on holiday with my wife and we went somewhere where there wasn't really a lot to do except for sit by the pool and drink and mull things over. And at the end of the holiday, I just said to her, I can't go back there anymore. And she said, right, well, what do you want to do? I said, I think I'd like to work in a brewery. She said, well, okay, then shut up and go and do it. And then two, two, three weeks later, Marble put out a tweet saying they're looking for a drayman. Um, I think the tweet said something along the lines of, uh, can you drive and do you love beer? Uh, so I got my CV and removed all of the qualifications and just replaced them with can drive and love beer and sent it in. Um, it, 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 may have, it may have been a bit of a silly move, but it apparently worked. Love it. Um, so I uh, did the interview, uh, got the job. 
I was on the Dre for about a year. Uh, one of the other chaps in the brewery left for Pastures New and I was offered a sort of salmon position in the brewery um, and then moved on to brewing and all the packaging and what goes with it. Happy days, bro. Cool. Uh, what, what about you then, Paul? Uh, so I um, started in the industry almost, well, about five and a half years ago. Um, so I, uh, similar to, sort of to Carl, was fed up with my office job. It wasn't really something that I wanted to do. Um, and then um, I started, I did start doing a bit of home brewing um, in my flat, um, like kits and what have you. And then um, went on went on holiday with my wife as well on our honeymoon actually. And then obviously and we were in New York drinking awesome beer. Um, so then it was kind of like, right, let's find. I want to try and find a job um, in in the brewing industry. And it was literally like the first day back at work um, mm. after my honeymoon. And there was a job advertised at Tickety Brew. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. And um, it was just like a little part time thing. Um, so I was like. Oh, can't really do a part-time job and Jen was just like no you just go for it and we'll work something out so started at Tickety Brew part-time and then sort of after about um after about sort of nine months managed to get it as a full-time job so it was there for two just over two years mm. um and then needed to um just sort of push forward with it really because I wanted to make something of it and then there was a job um, I went to Mickler Beer Celebration in Copenhagen um, and a, a job came up at Marvel just before I went so I applied for it and then got uh, got like an email from the HR guy at the time um, for an interview and yeah started working at Marvel um, a couple of days in the office and then a few days on the brewery floor and then eventually sort of things worked out where it was just full time brewery floor job um, yeah so no, nearly nearly six years in the industry. Yep. Yeah. Cool. What What about you, Plowers? Um, yeah, I I my background was um, sort of restaurant and bar work. So from you know I did it for about maybe eight eight years or so, so various places from a waiter up to up to management level, um, and uh, kind of got to the I I I've done that for, you know since out of uni done it through all my most of my twenties and. Uh, a lot of my mates that I started doing that with had gone on to sort of more sort of you know normal social hours jobs and mm. uh, you know so I was I was getting to the point where I was very much like getting a bit tired of you know the the, the shift work and uh, weekend work so yeah I wanted to do something new I wanted to get out of that I wanted and then it was a case of like I've done this for quite a while but, you know what am I, what is, I need to go into something that's going to be transferable you know and the I, you know and obviously by this point you know I would sort of. I'd already into my beer. I wouldn't say as massive maybe as much as these guys were. You know, it was in fact, you know, even before coming to Marvel, my knowledge is probably quite quite rudimentary really mm. in terms of it. And it's, but I, I felt like I had enough, um, you know, knowledge and you know and about it to go and take the skills that I've used in the customer service industry and in, in the hospitality industry and transfer them into into a, you know a, a brewery. Um, so yeah, I got an opportunity. I was living in East Yorkshire at the time where I'm from. And through actually my cousin actually who does some uh, work for our director Jan, uh, he was like, "Oh, look, I've got you a little meet up with um, with Jan at Marvel, and you know, it, and it was basically supposed to just be a kind of, you know, have a chat and some advice really about getting into the industry. So we, I came over to Manchester for the day, and we had like a, you know, we had like a two, ended up having like a two hour chat, 
and at the end of it, um, Jan and Karen, the HR manager, was you know sort of basically said, look, we actually want you to really want you to work for us, but we just don't know what we want you to do yet. But we do want you to work mm. for us. Um, so yeah, it, I was like, right, that's okay. So like within like a week, two weeks, I'd you know packed my stuff together and moved over. Lucky I had a bit of family in Manchester, so I could stay with them. And yeah, originally started off uh, obviously with my background. They needed someone to go into the arch and help out with there. So I did like two, three weeks in in the, in the Marble Arch, you know, doing um, being deputy to the, the manager at the time. And then they turned around to me and said, "Oh, did you want to? Um, would you fancy doing the Dre?" Um, and uh, it turned out it was like a little bit of a pay cut as well. And I was thinking, in the surface, it's like, mm, uh, okay. But then really, you know, very quickly I realised, no, this is this is perfect. You need, yep. you know, this is your foot in the in the door basically. Um, and did the Dre like Carl for for about a year, um, and it was great really because you know doing that Dre and getting to know your customer base was brilliant for me to get to where I eventually wanted to do, which was doing the sales. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I actually, I loved doing the Dre actually. If it was, you know, if if, if 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 I didn't want to buy like trainers every month, I'd do, I'd do the Dre for the rest of my life. But, you know, it was, I actually really enjoyed the job. It was yeah. brilliant. And, you know, and, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed going around seeing people, you know, going to different places. Um, but yeah, so I did that for a year. And then finally, you know, I sort of just, you know, just, kept my head down and did the job and then eventually you know it was sort of I got an opportunity to do what I do now which is the sales so that's happy days so I mean being relatively new to the industry I guess with the exception of you Joe has been doing it for since being a teenager but like being relatively new to the industry um, I mean what what was the appeal of being a brewer and, and how does the reality meet up with the expectations you might have had because I think it's really easy on the outside of it to see all the, you know, hashtag brewer's life, you know, and the, oh, look, they're doing a collab. It looks like so much fun. And then actually, you know, it's bloody hard work, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's manual labour at the end of the day. So it's, um, I, I just, I wanted to do something with my hands as well. You know, I didn't, yeah. really, I wasn't, I didn't want to sit, sit at a desk all the time. I don't mind sitting at a desk sometimes, give me back a bit of a rest. But um, yeah, I just wanted to do something sort of vocational really and kind of, like learn, learn a craft, learn, mm. learn a trade as well. But um, I mean, as hard work as it is, it's also fun making beer. Yeah. So you know, it's, um, that was what sort of drove me to want to do it. Mm. Absolutely, you were largely taking a hobby and trying to make a living out of it. Um, but yeah, you do you do realise that if you are making a living out of it, it's still a job. It's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of hard work, heavy lifting, you know, problem solving, stuff like that. So it, yeah, it is, it is hard work, but um, it's satisfying as well. Yeah, absolutely. You being able to work, especially in a small team where you aren't assigned a specific role, you aren't work production every day, mm. you aren't ca- uh, cask washing every day. Every day is a little bit different. You have to learn and build up a repertoire of skills. And you can move and slot into any place on any day, right? Given the need of the schedule. So, how many people work at Marvel? Like in 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 the brewery, the production teams four, including me. Right. Okay. So and what, we've what got about? three of the four production team here today. I feel privileged. The other guy's skiing. He he would have been here. <laughs> right. Okay. Sorry. So he said we've not locked him in a cupboard. <laughs> and then, so what about in the brewery as a whole? Like, 
in, in any other aspects of the business? So it's four in production, sales. Um, and then, yeah, sales, and then five, two, driver, two, six. Bit of, there's, so the brewery doesn't run as a separate entity. It, it falls as part of the business. Right. So there's, so like HR representation for the brewery also represents the bar. Single director also, office administration runs it. So right, okay. the brewery production is a team of four. Paul in sales is five. We have a driver, Wynn, who's out on the road today. That's six. You know, maybe count one and a half people from the office. You know, seven and a half, eight. If you bring the whole company and you're looking 35 to 40 people. Right. Okay. But that's, you know, split over that's including two, bars, two and, and a half bars, you know, a lot of back end stuff. Yeah. Okay. So can you just talk a little bit about the brewery itself just for our listeners? Because I, I think, you know, it's, it's easy when you look at um, breweries, I guess, like Marble or, or, or Cloudwater, for example, just down the road. And, you, you know, looking on Instagram, whatever, you, you build up a picture about them much bigger than they are. But like you've just said, there's actually in this building, there's not that many people operating it. Um, so just, just talk us through the brew house and, and how it operates. And um, Yeah, it's pretty weird. We are very small. I think especially our old type people have come to come to visit and be very like, you're making this here <laughs> and how much? So we're sub 5,000 hectoliters per year. We Last year we did, in this new site from May to December, we did four, three there or thereabouts, which is for a small team on mm-hmm. a, on a 25 hectare kit, it's quite a... Quite an achievement. It's something I'm quite proud of the, the boys for for doing. Um, yeah, so it's 25 hectolitre single infusion two vessel brew house with a whirlpool kettle. Uh, we have four baby 25 hec FVs, two 50s, and two uh, 23 hec bright beer tanks for packaging. We can package over all formats, so cask, keg, can, bottle. We can now do all of it in house, which is pretty nice. Mm. Am I right thinking that you don't send casks outside of Manchester much further? Like, like, no, we send to London. Oh, yeah, like, okay. I'm not exporting casks to the states or anything. Right. But um, yeah, we'll we'll send it where it needs to go. We occasionally we have a, a very very nice Italian importer, and he asks for casks all the time, and we give him sort of a few every six months, every year as a as a special treat. Right. Um, no, we send send plenty of cast down to London. Don't I we? mean, we it, it's it, we probably sent we probably spend sent uh, more cask elsewhere in the country than we do in Greater Manchester. Even. Yeah. So you know, um, uh, it's very much it's very much a spread across across the UK. So you know, we we've got dist- we you know we dist- we're going to distributors in in Scotland, Cornwall, London, South East, South West, North East. So uh, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, we've we've got good relationships and and uh, yeah, I mean you you should be able to find you know if you go to a, a beer city, if you go to London, Leeds, Manchester, Sheffield, Newcastle, you you'll likely be able to find some marble right. somewhere, okay. which is a great thing for us. Mm. And Paul, you were saying before we started recording about how you're just under the duty threshold. Yeah. Like, I mean, what kind of challenges does that present for a brewery like you guys? Because I mean, you've got a great reputation across the UK. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there's plenty more people wanting to drink your beers, but I mean that's that's when you go over that, that has serious implications for your business. So how are you guys addressing that challenge? And I mean, I just get my head down and and, <laughs> and crack on with the schedule. I think like um, managing sort of production and uh, duty levels is is a, a big challenge for for Joe and Jan really. Mm. Um, I. Uh, 
yeah, I'll 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 make as much as I'm told to. It's just uh, I'll I'll let Jan and Joe worry about having to pay extra tax when they creep over the the duty threshold. We uh, started Bruno Lager with a almost ten week production time because we when I did the maths we would have smashed the threshold last year. So to tie up tank space but also not look lazy. We started Bruno Pilsner. <laughs> um, the background I'm from the breweries I've worked for, and you, you weren't allowed empty tanks, and that kind of was drilled into me a little bit, so rather than leaving stuff empty, we just put beers in them that take longer. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, we're, we're, there's a lot of maths on it. There's, like, having done expansions with other breweries and consulted on them for, for lots of breweries and helped people out through a lot of it, I'm not when we moved the brewery to here, I wasn't in a position where I could do that to myself again. It's also something I don't particularly want the team here to go through it the way I necessarily went through it. Mm. So let's do a little bit more planning. We all know with the current like duty reforms and what um, sort of certain coalitions want to go through with that would smash five thousand, like sub five thousand, and really hurt people. Where the tax law at the moment is, there's no point in going from five thousand to six thousand. If you step over it, you go. Five to eight, five to nine, five to twelve. To do that, we we need a bit more kit in here. We we obviously need a lot more staff. There's certain alterations to the brew house we can make. Everything's it's there and ready for us to do, but we don't need to do it right now. We're yeah. quite happy. Everyone I hope is looked after quite well. No one's like no one's pulling sixty hour weeks. It's you know we're at a nice tempo. There's no there's no point in um, production outstripping demand. So let's grow organically as and when we can there's yeah I've seen a couple of much larger breweries from the south at the moment and now having to cut back very harsh because they geared up for massive massive production growth and then it just wasn't there or they lost yeah. a contract or something has happened in their works where there's a lot of people sitting around not really doing much and everything's geared to make a lot more beer than they can actually sell so it's yeah there's a bit of maths involved there's a bit of forward planning there's also just we can just take our time with things a little bit more as well, which is nice. And yes, yeah, like marble, like we've, we've the marble is obviously people quite know. We've, you know, we've been long been around longer than sort of most of us on what you term, you know deemed craft breweries, and you know we're now it's not what's 23, 23 years now, twenty two something like mm, that. Yeah, and you know over that period of time, you know the evolution of the breweries is is been very like steady and 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 self pleased on you know and, and done our you know well like just organically you know over that over you know that period of time mm. I mean this was like we'll go back before saying about you know our old the, the old site our last site you know people would come you know so how can we come down for a tour of the, of the brewery and be like no yeah which no because it'd be literally like here it is you know and, and, and then, and then you'd ask where the rest of it was <laughs> yeah like here it is yeah so it was you know it was very much so even going going into here where we are now in Salford you know that was something that Joe and John had planned over a period of time that was done you know in the right way mm. so it's, yeah, there's, there's, it, be, there's no rush to do it, you know. And I think, like Joe said, I think you, um, you know, we we tend to do things at the when we're ready to do, and not maybe when we think because we want to compete with, you know, other you know other breweries. Yeah. You know, there's a, you see a lot of it all the time. What's going on and what other people are doing, and I think it's important. And sometimes you think, bloody hell, look at them, you know, they were like tiny last month, and now they've got, you know, massive, you know, massive new shiny brewery, and I think. You know, I think it's important not to get too 
distracted by what other people are doing and, yeah, and, and, and do your own thing, which yeah. I think what Jeremy, that's what Joe and Jan are sort of trying to do here. I guess, it, the, I mean, to some extent, the grass is always green on the other side, isn't it? Um, and I think it is very easy just to look at social media, like you say, and, and what the brewers are doing and thinking, oh, they're, they're huge, they're, they're going places, and then you can cause anxiety to creep up like crap we've got to grow we've got to grow mm-hmm. but like I'm, I'm a big believer that bigger isn't always better like better mm-hmm. is better mm-hmm. yes. and and some businesses will just grow too fast and then they like I said they, they can't keep up um with with uh, not, it's not the demand that's the problem it's the um it's being overspecced then and then that's when things really start to fall apart and um I, I guess one of the things I often think about is a little bit um have you seen Scarface Yes. Yeah. Um, th- there's um, there's this scene where um, it's like the guy that Al Pacino is kind of he's understood. It's kind of like when he first comes to America from Cuba, he's kind of like these guys. I want to go to the top. You know, they they grow too fast, too big. They don't last in this business. You want to survive, you stay small, and it's you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Um, so like like as as a team, so you're not a very big team, and I would imagine you're quite close knit. Like how how do you guys handle conflict or disagreements, um, especially when the pressure's on and the stress tends to work itself out uh, sometimes more than others. We I'll stay beer. quiet on this one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we make beer that helps take the edge off. Right. <laughs> I mean, we do. We, we I mean, from from my perspective. Uh, because obviously Joe sort of um, has to do a lot of office stuff. Me, Slav and Carl, effectively, we all do the same job. So we all know we all know how to do it, but we also know, uh, you know, if we've got a super busy day, mm. we need to be uh, efficient with our time. Um, and uh, you, you, you just you make it as, as fluid as possible, really. Um, and I guess that's why I like working with them, is because uh, they are efficient um, people um, so it's kind of like right you do this and then I'll do that and then by the time we've come around and then before you know it you've packaged like 7,000 yeah there's just like loads of beer in, in 8 hours and um, and it's all it's all gone to plan like I think I, I, I used to used to get really come in the morning and look at the schedule and be like oh my god I've got so much to do it's like, and then I just have like a mini internal stress but we get it done. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's just sort of, we just don't know. We've, we've, we've worked together for a few years now, so um, we're, we're, we're good at working together. Yeah. I mean, for my, with sort of, you know, the schedule and, and, from, and from my perspective on that, it, you know, the, I think just communication really is, I know it's the really easy thing to say, but a uh, simple thing to say but I mean myself and Joe will will discuss quite you know in fact I'm like banging on the door you know I'm on the door more than you know than he'd probably like by saying can you just go over this again Can because I have it in my mind if I've got like I need to plan what I'm who I'm selling to what I'm selling mm. and and so to avoid that kind of you know from the only problems that would, would arise for, you know between sort of me and the brewery staff would be the fact if I haven't communicated what I needed that week you know, so then I don't, and then or something, or and vice versa. There's something's gone wrong, in the schedule or whatever, and or something's been delayed, and I've got like, you know, I was supposed to have ten cases of the beer going out, but it's not ready yet. Yeah. And we we tend to avoid that because, like I say, we try and keep that dialogue, you know, open all the time, and and you know, and anything, and I'm I'm literally I'm quite, I get quite angsty if I I I I need to know what's happening. So again, like I say, I probably go up to Joe's door a bit too much 
and I go on the brewery floor and I'll say, right, what are you doing today? Because, and what is coming out? Mm. And if you don't do, and if you didn't do that, then you would get conflict because, yeah. you know, the, you know, you wouldn't have that, those lines of communication. If they break down, then that's when the customer's going to get let down. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, I think we're quite we're quite good at, at doing that. Although I probably am quite annoying because I'll go, yeah, so how much are we getting out of the tank? Yeah. Like, and then I'll go back again and go, yeah, right, so if I've got, you know, I, I'm kind of a bit like that because I'm crap at maths. So um, so I'll be like going, I, I'm, I'm a bit annoying in that in that sense, but only to the to make sure that I've got it right. Mm. I think that's yeah. another the fun thing about the job as well is like when you are on like a sort of small, uh, small scale production, there are problem solving things that crop up so it's sort of it's it sounds geeky but it's fun to try and fit like do the problem solving yeah. and like and work around it and then you know once you've got a plan in mind you just you know turn the heavy metal up to 11 and and, and get on with you know racking 120 casks or whatever and mm. then go for it there's there's a, a certain amount of looking at that schedule in the morning and seeing it on the sort of heavy side and as Paul said about being as efficient as possible, there's many processes in the brewery that you can be doing two of those at the same time. Yep. You need to invest 10 minutes here to set something going. The rest of it will take care of itself, and that's when you need to be moving on and doing something else. Come back and check on it. Mm. Eat your lunch during the caustic part of the CIP. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, Keeping downtime to a minimum and only interfering with processes when you're actually physically needed there. Yeah. So, I mean, talk us through your average week at Marvel, if there is one, if such a thing exists. Like, I mean, how do you schedule your week? Is it literally just according to what beers you want to get out? or? Yeah. The, well, it's tricky. We have an overview of what we need to do for the next five years. Which gives mm. us an overview of what we need to do for the year. Which gives me an overview of what we need to do for the quarter, for the month, for the week, mm. for the person, for the hour. So, yeah, some of the things like if you go to bigger breweries, you look at, take a job in a, in a bigger brewery, you can be a brewery, you can be very qualified, you can run a packaging line for two years and do nothing else. You can come in and do seller work in two years. We kind of, because we're small enough to not need that, everyone's multi skilled, everyone's multi talented. Come in, you can be on work production on Monday, you can be packaging Tuesday, you can be in cell work Wednesday. So the idea is try not to, to stress anyone out. No one, no one really should have to work over what they need to do in a day. If they do, it certainly doesn't carry through to the week or the month. Average week, we try and produce between 75, 150 hectoliter a week. That beer also needs packaged from the week before or from two weeks from a month before. Um, we tend to brew try to brew Monday to Thursday and keep, doesn't always work, keep Fridays free, nice to have some classroom time, clean the brewery, CIP, brew house, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't, I think my week's probably a bit different to the guys. I obviously have meetings, more scheduling to do, more planning to do, overview, tend to, like we've put the cannon line in. Mm. So I spent a lot of time tweaking that, getting that running, that's now running. It'll be two weeks of teaching the guys how to use that and then I might, I might not have to touch it for six months, hopefully, yeah. which would be really, really nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, my week obviously is a bit different. I, we tend to run the schedule, although I'm not up to date with it because we've had quite a lot going on. Um, we tend to run between a month and three months in advance, mm. but even if we put slots in, we might not put brands in. That just gives us a little bit of, okay, well, this is performing quite well. We need to schedule this in. This isn't performing well. Can you drop that and put something else in? Yeah. 
um, yeah, the guys tend to we try doing try doing job lists, you know, per day and not everyone here is fairly intelligent, no one's lazy, so it's easier to just be like, here's the schedule for the week. You guys know what you've got to do. You have a set amount of time to do it in. Off you, you go. Yeah, I don't like I don't believe in, in hand holding or micromanaging. It's not we're mm. not Coca Cola, it's not a food production like in essence we're not knocking out Greg's sausage rolls. It's you yeah. know, it's small, it's artisanal. The guys are, are good enough to, to go in and do that, which makes my life so, so much easier. <laughs> Gives me a hell of a lot more time to focus on, on other things as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, how do you keep it fresh? Like, uh, not the beer, though, we'll, we'll come on to that, but like cr- creatively and, and keep those ideas flowing and on tap. You know, it's there's a lot of the processes the same, aren't they? Um, so, like, how are you keeping those kind of that crazy flair going for new, new beer styles, new ideas for the business? From my point of view, in terms of recipe development, styles and whatever, we, we can take influence from anywhere and everywhere. So we don't necessarily have to drink someone else's beer to get an idea for something else. Mm. It can be based from cuisine, from cocktails, from talking to each other. You know, we have the, the kitchen at the Marble Arch, a great source of knowledge. We can bounce ideas backwards and forwards, talking to each other, trying different beers. There's a lot of that, a lot of that goes on a lot of QA yeah um, but it's always to push so even if like even some of our like most steadfast products bitter pint and stuff it's we're never happy with it or well, I'm never happy with it mm. I'm sure we we uh, pull those beers apart pretty much weekly so there's no change for the sake of change but there's always an area to try and improve there's always something something to look at whether it's efficiency and process or recipe design or tweak there's always something that that needs a little bit of work and yeah never be satisfied yeah so i mean how, how do you guys increase and add to your knowledge as brewers um i mean are, are you just doing that through experience or do you do any in-house training or external training to basically do, develop yourselves i do uh, I, I i try and read every reasonable textbook i can find uh, um as you know i, I mean we I, did a, a my IBD here, which was which was really good. Mm. Um, so get that under my belt, and then um, like obviously starting out as like a home brewer, I've got a bookshelf of homebrew books, and then trying to find slightly more complex stuff. And it's just like the more the more you learn, the more you the more you learn, the more you want to learn. Like it's curiosity, um, you know. Um, like I really I love sort of mixed fermentation beers. So trying to understand, you know, wild yeast and bacteria is a minefield. Yeah. But it's also something that's so, you know, there's a special fridge in the lab with some nice beers in it that we'll crack every now and then and be like, Oh wow, this is like you know, you, you we'll we'll share some stuff out and then every now and then we'll get some stuff it's like, This is amazing. Like let's let let's try and like make something like this and then yeah, so it's just I I take I take influences from um uh what I think are some of the best best breweries in the country as well um, and, and go from there really I think one of the things uh, that we probably all enjoy about beer is that it is as complicated as you want to make it mm. especially from a sort of consumer standpoint we're obviously finding a lot more beer geeks now who want to understand the processes um, and yeah so as far as you want to take it, you have that option. If you just want to sit in a pub and enjoy a decent pint with your mates, you can. If you want to understand something of how that beer became in the first place, you can learn that. And it's 
takes five minutes to understand what the processes are doing. And then you can just drill into all of those processes and find out the science behind how it's actually happening. And you can take that as far as you want and you will never get close to learning everything. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say I was uh, as studious off my own back as Paulie is, um, but I'm not. Um, I, I do require a certain structure uh, to try and uh, learn new things. So uh, I'm actually on a course at the moment with the University of Nottingham, which is um, a, a new apprenticeship. Yes. Um, so I think the uh, Nottingham have had their, their sort of master's course for some time, um, but have probably realised that that was only designed for people who are almost already there anyway. Mm. Uh, so they've they've added in a sort of introductory course and I think I'm in like the third class. They're doing intakes every every I think six months. So they're working with like fullers, aren't they? And there's there's people, there's a lot of uh breweries putting people forward yeah. for this. The next the next probably two years of classes are fully booked already. Yeah. Um in my, my particular class there's breweries all the way from one man bands uh, all the way up to places like Bath Ales have a couple of people right. on uh, so and there's there's every type of brewery in between as well there's a lot of as well as learning from the course from the lectures from the practical uh, and then sort of bringing some of that back into the brewery here there there is that, that sort of collaboration with the people who are in the classroom with you because mm. they all have completely different experiences yep what what about you, Plows? Because obviously you know you you're not a brewer, um, but I like. I mean, how, how can other members of breweries um, who who might be listening to this who, who don't operate in the brew house like how how can they increase their knowledge? Not just of, I guess of brewing, but like of of you know the, the sales side of it or the the marketing side of it or whatever. Yeah, I, I think it's funny one for me. I'll, I'll be brutally honest. Like the, I, I'm not as much as I like drinking it. The, the, um, you know, the sort of, you know, I also I need to know what hops going in something. You know, that sort of things. But in terms of the overall process, um, you know, I don't get stuck in. You know, I don't. You know, I'm not like you know, and and, and it probably um, would. You know, it, it probably would suit and be beneficial to to do it. I find it more beneficial and better for me. Um, I was just saying before about how the guys, I mean, I can't speak for them, but, and it's just to pick up what you were saying before about collabs and stuff, and, you know, people see the collabs and they go on, you know, and it looks all like, you know, everyone's having fun and stuff, and, and I think sometimes they're seen as, you know, purely a kind of marketing and promotional set, uh, yeah. like, a thing, but the, which which they are, undoubtedly, but they also serve a purpose of the, you know, you we you, you pick up a lot of knowledge from doing those those visits. And if you were, you know, for me, I've I've done a couple, um, of the, you know, gone, you know, gone to another brewery and, and really got a lot out of it because, um, yeah, and I do the daft stuff like getting in the mash and digging out and that for the for the photo opportunities. But it, but at the same time, it 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 allows me to speak to other breweries and you know and and talk to those you know you know my sort of, you know, the people in my position, what they're up to and get that insight. I think as well, I don't, I can't speak for the guys, but I think. That's the other way you, you gain knowledge, and it's I think that's a really worthwhile thing. I think that about you know the collab scene and stuff is that 
you know, we try and do our collabs. You know, they're not done by coincidence. They, you know, they're not done by any by chance. They're they're selected for for a variety of reasons. Either people that we know and respect and want to work with, or up and coming breweries that we we like. We've tried the beers and. You know, so you know, for example, you know, we we've gone to uh, Docks Brewery in Grimsby recently. Oh yes, I've seen um, them. Yeah. So we've done a, a Joe and Dan do a collab with them, but then we've also that's a, a you know a brewery that Joe's you know like you know is has a lot of respect for the, the for the head brewer there and uh, likes what they're doing, but at the same time we've been over to Vocation recently as well and done a couple of collabs with, with them. So it's kind of like that. You know, we, you you working with people, you are visiting people and talking to people that. You're learning from at the same time. I remember when me and Carl went to Boundary, um, I was mainly drinking, but Carl was asking a lot of questions as well. You know, you know, you know, about the processes between, you know, their process, you know, and and you know, getting you, you get stuff from that, don't you? Absolutely. And, and I think that um, I think they're always a really good way. Like I said, for me, it's and and again for me in terms of learning stuff, it's it's literally. Um, I mean, I could literally go out and I could go and spend a day with the guys, and, and be, you know, and I could learn that way. Um, but I also, from for my job, it's yeah, getting out there and, and yep. meeting people is, is is and sharing that is a, is the best thing to do. Yeah, the company has like a, a almost like a three tier structure for what would be known as like personal development or you know employee development, where there's a the higher tier like academic challenge. So if anyone comes in. Paul came in, I'd like to do this IBD qualification. Okay, cool. Sign up for it, how much does it cost? Let's get you going. Mm -hmm. Carl, we wanted to try the, the guys with the apprenticeship came in, we looked at it, who it would be appropriate for. I think Carl needed the most in terms of having the lowest level of academic qualifications. Great, let's put it on that. So we're always behind putting people through recognized or registered qualifications or anything that's sort of noted. There's then like in-house development, which I spend a lot more time obviously with production with, less so poor but it's like called cool, th this is how we run a CIP this is why we do it for this amount of time with this chemical at this dosage at this temperature not just here is a check sheet go and do it yeah, yeah so like why are you doing what you're doing why is that important if something goes wrong when it comes to problem solving you then know okay well I've reduced the temperature so I need to increase the time to hit this coefficient great let again less for me to do Everything is about making my life a lot easier. The more the guys understand, the less I need to do. And then the third one is just just personal. So yeah, if you pull out a study and bring it, great. We'll read it together. Where can we apply this in the brewery? How do we run a test? What's you know what do we use as a ground in? Okay, test worked. It did this, this, and this. Do we need to retest, or can we put it into general production? Yeah. So it's sort of everyone needs to do their own work if you want to progress. That's the same as in any walk of life, doing anything. If you're a footballer. If you don't train on your own, you aren't going to get any better no matter how much you go to, to team training. Then stuff the companies will put people through to, but then no point in me putting putting one of the guys on a you know on a diploma level or a master's level brewing certificate if they're not ready to. So everything should blend into one what you do on your own, then helps what, what we can offer you from our own knowledge in-house, which can then lead to an academic qualification and things such as like just fork truck driving doesn't doesn't really apply to brewing, but it applies to yeah. to the factory in whole or to any other factory you then then go to. Yep, I think it's pretty well known that uh, brewers tend to move around quite a lot. I mean, obviously, Joe, you've been to several breweries so far. Um, whereas you come across someone like um, Andy Leman from Timothy Taylor, who's, who's literally been there for decades. Um, I mean, why why do you think brewers move around quite often and? If there are any brewers listening to this considering transitioning to another brewery, what sort of things should they consider before 
just taking a job somewhere else because again we've touched upon the thing about the grass being greener on the other side and it's um, screenish way the water at the most really but I think brewers move around because they can I think that's the pretty obvious one mm. like yeah they're looking for someone in this position I can fill this position not necessarily unhappy with where they are or unhappy with salary but yeah people like change don't they grass is greener so yeah. before you know what something's like you might see just their social media you might just try their beer it might be I think you can the market in terms of jobs and vacancies is way different to when it was when I started like brewing professionally like a decade ago there's a lot more competition for jobs but there's also much much bigger job market um in terms of advice just why why do you want to move are you not happy with where you are are you unhappy because of the equipment you use in the beers you're making are you unhappy because of management is it is there a reason and will that reason be solved with where you're going I think that's my only sort of opinions on it. I haven't got a lot to add. Uh, Marble is the only brewery I've worked for, so I I just moved complete career path. Mm. Um, so I mean, for anybody thinking of doing that, uh, I can't speak to your specific circumstance. Um, I did what I did for a long time. I earned reasonable money. The the perks were reasonable. I felt that it was uh, affecting my mental health, uh, so with a little bit of a push from my wife, I decided to do something about it. Um, it's solved that issue for me. It might not necessarily do the same for anybody mm-hmm. else. Perspective is a great thing, really, isn't it? I think um, when you're sort of trying to um, create a career um, and sort of like push yourself to, like, I've always had this thing where I've just I want to, to be good at something. So I wanted to like find like what what I can be good at and apply myself, and I think um, I think in lots of like work situations, like getting a good like work life balance is is really good. Like Joe sort of touched on earlier, um, we don't do crazy long weeks or anything like that, which is great. Mm. Um, I think I, I I think that like you get to, you know we've been talking about you know what I think that's really what they have touched on about sort of in what we do here. In terms of, and if someone's thinking of leaving to go to another position or you know whether we go to another brewery I, I think they'd really have to I think that's a massive thing to take into account about whether what they you know what their working week is currently like and, and find out what it potentially could be somewhere else and you know you might you know it you may you may work for a small a small barrel brewery and 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 work sort of you know Monday to Friday and in, in you know and with the sort of similar sort of hours. And, and then there might be a job at a bigger brewery um, that looks good, but then you know it, it could be it could that could be shift brewing, mm. you know. And it's like you know, are you gonna be? Yeah, it might be more money, and it might be a bigger brewery. It might be the name that you want, but are you gonna be? Is your are you gonna be content doing that really dramatic shift in that in your working week? I think like what we do here is, you know, we we we've got we nail we. we get our heads down and, and, and work all week but we, we're not you know we do, it, like Joe does it in, in that way that we're not you know we're not thinking that we're caught you know when this is never going to end or whatever and I think you've got I think that balance between your work and your home life in any in any, never mind brewing but in any profession is, is really important yeah absolutely and uh, and I think yeah that, that would be I'd say that I think that would, if you if a brewer was going to somewhere else they, they should consider that in terms of you know whether it's going to be right here mm. I think as well like working for like a, a small company like this as well it does it gives you the full picture like you see like 
like we've said, all aspects, you do have to do all the different jobs um, and get stuck in. And and it, like I said, it, it gives you perspective. You know, I think like about after um, a year of maybe working at Marble, I was, because, you know, you have sort of romantic ideas. I'd say maybe after a year after working at Marble, I was like, yeah, I don't want to set up my own brewery. I just want to be someone else's, like, head on the show. Do you know what I mean? It's like, this is too stressful for me. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like you said, you can go to a bigger brewery uh, where it's like, right, your work production. It's like, and that's all you do, and you don't know any better, then it's kind of like... It, it's better to work at small places because you do gain a wider perspective. Mm. We met some of the guys from Hyde's around the corners, and it's like, well, yeah, I've been working there for forty-four years. It's like, oof, I, I can't see myself working for one company for that long. Yeah. You know what I mean, mm. well, just moving on to your beers. Like, what what sort of beers are you guys excited about brewing this year? Well, we've got uh, we did a collab at the, uh, earlier on um, with with Iron Pier. Um, which was like it was described as a modern bitter right and um, without sort of sort of <laughs> without simplifying it too much for me it was kind of like Lagonda with a bit more coloured malt and a bit bigger dry hop and I I, I loved the way it turned out mm, so yeah. we're, that's in the schedule again this week so that I mean I'm, I'm happy that we're rebrewing that yeah absolutely yeah we've, we've got some pretty pretty exciting things a lot of our barrel programme is is coming to fruition this year there's yeah there's one of the sort of the ethos and one of the things that attracted me when I was I was looking to come back here and really digging deep into what is this brewery's identity what makes it getting, getting a little bit philosophical a couple of beers deep um, was that there's there's a nice footing in tradition and past but there's always a marble way about stuff so beers like Lagonda and Jaipur almost kind of grew up together yeah. and would one would improve slightly and be better, but neither has really molded into what you would now see as a 5% hoppy pale ale. So being able to take beers like that, like Manchester Bitter, like Pint, and, and work them, not necessarily from modern market, but work them something we're really happy with that's very definitively of a traditional style, but very definitively of a, of a marble style. And that's, that's something that was really nice to do with the, the iron marble beer. So looking forward to a lot more of that, a lot more of the barrel aged stuff. We're still, Working a lot with hoppy beers, with bringing those forward, but not, not just smashing stuff with thirty grams per liter dry up and leaving it hazy. Like really trying to, what's the most we can get with the least in terms of, not just yeah, every beer is fucking good if you make it eight point two percent and put thirty grams per liter of Galaxy and Mosaic in it. it. Like it's not difficult. And breweries that do that, it's phenomenal, and that's an amazing thing for them to do. But that's not. One, that's not something this brewery has ever really done or held. So, yeah, let's let's go and find hot varieties that aren't necessarily being shouted about. Let's see, are they any good? What can we get out of them? How can we blend stuff? So that's going to be really exciting. We've got um, our Imperial Milds coming back out in May, which will be, be really interesting. A lot more. I've kind of handed a lot of responsibility for our barrel program over to Paul, so I'm really excited to see sort of the directions that, that goes in. Which, nervous, but excited. <laughs> No pressure, but <laughs> it should be quite well. It's funny as well what Joe sort of just hinted on about you know where where Marble are, whether you know are we you know are we a traditional brewery or a progressive brewery, and we're undoubtedly both. And I mean, we don't like traditional is a word that we get we, we 
it's used about us and we use ourselves. I mean, just because Manchester Bitter is called Manchester Bitter doesn't mean it's, it's a traditional beer. Yeah. But then we can sell lots of it in cast to traditional pubs. Mm. Um, you look and you look and it, I, what I, what's going to interest me this year is that like if you look at a lot of if you look at sort of sort of some beer writers are saying and some blogs are saying is this big thing about you know you know English bitter being you know coming back and you know and you know the, the, I, I think I don't think necessarily the, <coughs> the market follows those what people are saying necessarily on Twitter I don't I think I don't, you know just because there's a lot of beer writers saying that uh, Merck's going out and bitter's coming back in I don't think that's a, that is that may happen it's certainly not an overnight thing and it um, but it's quite it'll be interesting if it does that if that does seep into the to the market this year then it's quite you know it'd be good for us because it's essentially what it's funny because you see this this is the year that bitter comes back or whatever and it's kind of like we're like you know waving emoji you know you know it's never gone away for us you know it's like you know, yeah it's no it's never something that we've neglected almost yeah. so it'd be you know it'd be interesting to see what if that does happen and and, and how how we're but you know it's going to be great for us because if it does happen because we're well placed because we've been producing Manchester better concept you know you know consistently for a number of years now and it's a very popular beer so uh, yeah I'm I'm looking forward to that to seeing our uh, like uh, how it all shakes out yeah essentially <laughs> yeah yeah like when there's some people start making bitters again and go oh yeah we sold a few but we'll just crack on with with the IPAs and the hoppy pails and we'll go well we'll just carry on making some bitter alongside it because. We like it. People keep on buying it. We won't have to necessarily mm. make a big song and dance out of it. Yeah, we're pretty pretty lucky that, from like a management point of view, we're not particularly stymied or constricted. There's no like, there's no tie for like ingredient cost. There's no tie for like ABV range. So if we want to come up with a new beer, we're open to. If we want to, you know, play with existing styles, we're we're given a hell of a lot of free reign actually and very little sort of stewardship over that which is you know to be in a position of a head brewer or a production team's phenomenal to be like yeah it's everything is blue sky there's no nothing is particularly too off limits it's literally our knowledge and our creativity that kind of stymies what we can do the the pilot being installed in the pilot kit's going to be i'm really excited to see what comes out of that especially as i won't really be doing much on it so really let the let the guys go wild It'd be good Having the cannon line in is really nice. We can now package how we want, when we want. That means if you know if we are doing huge hoppy beers that we think only have a, a month or two months shelf life, cool, we can only do 10 cases and just sell those 10 cases and it'd be fine. It's a lot of what I'm looking forward to this year is our sort of versatility and really being able to sort of flex our legs in that, in that regard. And not necessarily brewing beers that set the world on fire, but brewing very good beers how we want to and package them how we want to for the customers we want to have. I like it when we make beers that like work across um, like all formats, so like cask and keg, mm. and then like going to the arch and being like, oh, this one's better on cask, or yeah. oh, this yeah. one's better. And then like, like for example, that, that, uh, that Iron Marble we mm-hmm. made, given that it was a modern bitter, you'd think, oh yeah, that'd be great on cask, but actually we, we, most of us preferred it on keg. But then, and then like, and then like Earl Grey's another one where it's like, why why does a six point eight percent like T IPA work better on cask? Like it just does. I don't know why. Like so anything that we make this year that works well across both formats, I'm always like in- really interested to see how that turns out. Yeah, it's a real balance that because I guess those two different 
packaging formats bring out different nuances and flavours, don't they? So if you, if you can strike that balance across both, you know, I think I think you're doing really well. I think it's interesting what you you touched upon, particularly with the um, you know contemporary quote unquote versus traditional uh, thing, and people saying, "Oh, best bitters are, are making a comeback." Um, I mean, do you do you think that there's too much of a split for maybe for, for more of the kind of um, um, beer ticker crowd you know when it comes to um how beers are presented you know whether it's oh it's you know and people put stuff in boxes oh that's that's a trap brewery but that's a progressive brewery you know whereas whereas i think marvel like you said that you, you span both those really well and i don't think there are that many brewers that are doing that as as well as i think you guys are mm. I, it, can i take that with yeah it's go quite, for it, it I, it's it's, it's, it's on purpose that we do that, that we try to go on those camps. And, and to a point, I think that it's like, and I think sometimes, I don't, I'm, and Joe won't mind me saying sometimes, is that, you know, if it was up to him, um, you know, we'd, we'd go and, you know, we'd, you know, sort of some certain beers, we, we maybe would sideline, you know, we maybe would, you know, you know take a back seat and mm. go, well, these are, you know, you know, these, we need to be moving with the times, we need to be progressive and all that sort of stuff. And and I think if you know, on in, in one hand, we've got this uh, we've got this desire to go and make new and brand new um, uh, progressive and modern beers that are, you know that are, you know with new styles and new ideas. From my perspective, we've got such a reputation for the other type of beers that we have to continuously have that balance. And I am always saying, to, I so I say to you know, Joe's quite good. He's very good with me, and that he allow he does allow me to sort of you know some. Breweries that will be completely up to the to the head brewer. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. We're doing everything else. Whereas I come from that perspective, perspective and say, yeah, we will do them as well. But we, I also need some of these. As the you know, let's do this. You know, we're doing, you know, we're doing a not seven, another seven percent West yeah. Coast IPA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is it, and this is what we, this is what's great. What for me is brilliant is that like so. For example, this week we have got a new bread. We've got a seven point one percent Mountain IPA called Sky High coming out. Um, but then, like next week, we're going to package Lagonda in big quantities as well. Mm. You know, so and I, I what will happen, and what and that nails me to do is that I'll have customers who will say, "Well, I'll have three casks of Lagonda, but I'll have and I'll have a keg of Sky High as well." You know, so it bridges that for me. It's great because it's like we're we're doing these great new beers, um, but it's almost like the the you know the more historical. Um, the core brands, you know, Lagonda, Pike, Manchester, Earl Grey, they kind of, uh, they're like the gateway to the to the to the newer beers, and without the gateway, you know, um, I think people are kind of, and that's the other thing with it. We, we you know, the new beers are doing something that a lot of people are trying to do. You know, there's a lot, of, and the, again, five years ago, before I started with Marble, you know, what tends to happen is that you, you know. The availability would go out, you know, for the the, the following week, and and the, the inbox would would fill up, and it was almost like you know, and that left the salesperson to be able to go and do other stuff, mm. uh, you know, and multitask as it was. And the minute you have to, there's so many, you know, as we know, there's so many more breweries in literally five years alone, you know. So it's you've got to work at it. You've got to yeah. you've got to work. You've got to, you've got to get those sales in, and we and I think we do that well here by having that balance between. The, those those types of beers. Yeah, I think it's important. Like, why not do both? Why can't you look at tradition, look at English heritage, look at great beer that's been made for decades to come, and make it, and enjoy it, and sell it, and also make other beers? Mm. Like, 
just just because we make banging cast doesn't mean our keg beer is going to be shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. no. It's just a good business yeah. model as well. So, at the end yeah, of the day. you gave yourself a broader customer yeah. base. It's the same yeah. four base ingredients manipulated at different times in different ways. If you can knock out banging cask, you should be able to do yeah. wicked stouts, really good IPAs. You should be able to do ball bit. You know, I think it's easier for a lot of people to pigeonhole or box breweries, and not just us. And you know, I've looked at breweries myself and been like, well they just do this so mm. I'm not going to bother trying to have that doctor well actually that's not that brewery's fault that's your fault if you if you try a range of beers from a range of different breweries you'll learn a hell of a lot more than if you just say well I only drink my lager from Peroni I only drink my bitter from Timothy Taylor's I only drink ESB from Fuller's you know any like brewers are talented regardless of what brewery they work for they they can do a broad range of things mm. that you know trust in them have, have faith in for us in, in ourselves in the team in like in our conviction of what we're doing with brew beers we want to drink some of them are more traditional bitters some of them are ipas it doesn't really matter we each of them are hit with the same attention level to detail research so they should in theory all be really good yeah i think it does tie back back to what plowers were saying about reputation uh, because that reputation can become a weighty thing to steer in the marketplace again people might not necessarily equate you with good beer but good specific beer mm. and don't you dare try and do something different yeah I mean, it, 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 I think as well I don't think I, you can't put your business like in our business to 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 go after the beer tickers as, as simple as that we, it wouldn't be sustainable and, and I think you and I think the beers would would suffer as a result of that I think you've got a um, you know it, like Jan, for example, will will look at Untapped and when look at re- reviews of stuff and 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 you know and, and rightly so we want to know what people are saying, you know about the beers that we're making. Do I use that as a as a as a as a measure of whether I think a beer that we've done is good? Not not entirely. I'll have a look. If I've sold it all, that's my <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you sell the second batch, that's an even that's better indication. And if it's a, yeah, exactly like Joe says, if and if it's a, a repeat batch of something and that sells again, then you know, and that's so. For example, like that's what happened with with, for example, North South, which is part of our hot forward range, which is a four point two session like session IPA. You know, it, it it sold really well. Then it sold really well again. And then it and it, and it kept selling. So now it pretty much is in in, in you know it, it's it's quite a regular beer for us. But only not necessarily because you know we've seen reviews everywhere that saying that how great it is. We do it because it sells out. Mm. You know, and, and that has got to be your you know I've got to listen to my I'd much rather listen to my uh, pub owners and managers about a beer than necessarily not you know it, it, that's for me where where I get my feedback from yeah you know whether a beer is successful or not and that's got to be that's how we've got to progress as a brewery in terms of what our, how our sales do almost. yeah I guess that's the downfall of the modern internet era isn't it that you know you, you can think by looking at social media that and taps classic thing isn't it but um you know you can look at social media and think how well am I doing based upon like reviews on Untapped, or how many people have liked my Instagram post or whatever? Mm. But it, I mean, it's like these social media inf- influencers with like you know tens of thousands of, of followers. I mean, I, I heard it said the other day like Kim Kardashian's got something like four million followers, but like and she her, loves a pint of best. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but like, but her um, 
engagement on social media is like non-existent so it's better to have like you know it's, it's ultimately it's, it's whether people are buying it or not yeah. rather than what whether you get a million likes or or people are commenting you know if it's if it's selling it and people putting their money where their mouth is yeah then you're doing a good job I think yeah, and and and, and anything like that, you know, reviews online and um, you know, rate bearing untapped and stuff like that. I, I think it's it's really good to, you know, I think they do serve it does serve a purpose, and I think is probably as the brewers were a more, you know, were maybe inclined to sort of see what's being said. Um, uh, but like I think you, I think it is a really as as brewers as salespeople as brewery owners, I think it's really important to. To you know, to not worry about yeah. those areas too much. I think you know. I, I think if you rate beer, you hate beer. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had suggested to me the other day that we do a segment called Brewers Read yeah, Me Tweets. I, I should have lined some up um, be, before I started. Well, there's untapped all stars. Yeah, untapped. Yeah. 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 That's, that's as far as I go with untapped. That's, that's a good. That's that's a good account. I think like, but I mean, you know, I, I was being a, a bit like nice about it. I think like there there are some really you know significant problems with it because you'll get stuff like you know someone will have. You know, someone will rate your sour beer, and they'll and they'll give it like one star or whatever, or Based two stars, and it'll say two stars, not bad sour. I don't really like sours. Yeah, two sour it, for me. And it, or, you know, and it, and, it, and you like and now, if you were to put a lot of purpose on that rating for that beer, well, that beer's just been been des- that rate the overall rate's been decimated by one guy who doesn't even like sour beer yeah. who's and rating you, it. And like, you know he tried to re- turn that pint to the bar as well yeah, after being was, told it was a sour beer. And he, like, he have it with all with all stars as well, and it's and it's kind of like, God, come on, like you know, like that is and that skew whiffs it, mm. you know that really, and then you know so the, you, it's it's an unrepresentation of of of, of 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 how good a beer is, you know, and it's. But again, yeah, we it, it serves a purpose. We we try not to uh, deflate my ego once a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, f- final question then: um, what what one piece of advice would you like to pass on and impart to your fellow brewers in the beer industry listening to this? Start with you, Joe. You look like the the fount of all wisdom and knowledge. Don't do it. <laughs> um, no, I like for other brewers just keep doing what you're doing. I think the the UK scene's phenomenal at the moment, and that's you know that's in part to all the people taking part in it. It's it's amazing to see how how far British beers come from. You know, stories of almost the death of it in in the mid to late 80s, through the the mid 90s revival, then the the mid thousands revival. It's it's phenomenal, and it, it it's such an said a lot but such a great community to be a, to be a part of it yeah it's it's competitive at the moment but that's that's a really good thing and i think you know the prouder we are the louder we all shout about each other and what we've got going on here the the better it will be for, for the, the whole uk beer scene amazing i just like people to stop chasing trends just i want breweries to just make the beer that they enjoy and not necessarily the ones that they think might sell this week or this month yeah. It's a hard thing to say, isn't it? Like, stop chasing trends, but like, breweries gonna do that because if it's popular at the time, then they'll think, "Oh, I can sell it." But on on in the same breath, like I'd probably say, yeah, there are breweries out there that prefer making certain styles of beers. They might not be the most popular styles, but like, if they're good at it, like, keep doing it mm. because like we need people. To, we do like it's great to have people who specialize in certain stuff. Like Torside, I love making smoke beers. 
They're really good at it as well. Yeah, yeah. and it's like smoke beers are really not for everyone, but they're going to carry on doing it because they love smoke beers. So, um, and yeah, I, I like it when... I like it when there are sort of a few people that specialise in certain things, mm. and it and it as well for the customers, it it helps them to have like a reliable go to as well. Which if you part if you you know if you spending six quid on a can of beer, like you don't want to have to pour it down the drain after you've cracked it open. So yeah, it's like if there's a certain thing that you like doing, like stick to it, because it's. You know, you need to keep you need to keep your sort of passion for it going, really. All eyes on you, Plowers. Um, well, I've I, I, I got zero advice for for um, for, for brewers, but um, except buy our beer. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> buy yeah. All our beer is now available. Sales at marblebrewers dot com. Um, uh, <laughs> I just I, I think for me, um, any sort of advice is. Uh, be nice. I know that sounds really, really simple, and um, but I, I, I find that um, uh, being cordial and being friendly and being approachable and willing to bend your back a little bit for, for people goes mm-hmm. a long way. And you know, and I don't really like. And, and again, it's a, it's a bit, it's a bit management speaky, I suppose. But you know, you know, say yes. You know, don't be, you know, be a yes man. You know. I don't really, you know, if I, I try not, I don't, I, I have a fear of letting someone down, you know, I don't want to let them down, if they've, if they've ordered something, I want to try and get it to them, you know, let's try and get that, let's try and get that order out, let's do something, you know, and yeah, and being, and, and if people are unhappy with something, again, like, grit your teeth and be nice, and, and I think that goes a really, really long way, and, but, I mean, and that goes again for all, for all walks of life, but especially, especially in my job, you know, no one, I, I like to think that people will buy beer from me because I think, you know, oh, he's, he's alright, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I mean, you know, so beer think, shit, but he's a nice guy. Exactly, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, it's almost getting, to, like, obviously our beer is, and shit, our beer is amazing, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. Yeah. But um, yeah. Like, I, but there's a lot to do with the. You know. I'm, you know. Am I going to be? I'm this guy who's got to pick up the phone or, or speak to people. Am I going to be approachable? And if you're not, then you might as well, you know, pack it in straight away. So yes, be nice would be my. Great. Well, thanks for being on the show. I mean, how can people try your beers? Just anyone listen to this? Where can they go? Open a can, drink it. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a little bit like um, I like beer and I can drive. Yeah. <laughs> order beer <laughs> consume beer no, um, no. From, a, from, a, from, a, from a speedy perspective they can people can go on to our website marvelbeers.com and uh, they can buy beer on the online shop um, and then yeah ultimately you know, if you keep an eye on, on our social media we kind of tend to sort of say where stuff's going to uh, and like I sort of said earlier on in, in, in you know in the podcast that you know that our beer is, is go it goes nationwide um, so if you're in, not not if you don't even have to be in a big city. Like I say, it goes, it, it's got a pretty good uh, distribution route around the country. Mm. So uh, and if you ever in Manchester, then you should go to uh, flagship pub, the Marble Arch, you where, should. Um, and have a pint there. And then also our sister bar, uh, Fifty Seven Thomas Street. Uh, in the northern quarter, which is the most direct source. Also, the sorry, the tap room as well. Yeah. The, uh, uh, in in uh, in Media City. 
Uh, so yeah, plenty of options. Great, thank you, thank you. Cheers. 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 Thanks. Today's episode of the Hot Forward Podcast is brought to you by SSV Limited. From tanks to full brew houses, SSV Limited has got you covered. In just five short years, SSV Limited have established themselves as your go-to partner to help you grow or launch your brewery. High-quality tanks, parts, brewing kit and knowledge and experience to ensure your project runs smoothly from beginning to completion. Their newly launched parts shop stocks well over 1,000 essential brewing parts to ensure your brewery is kept up and running. Visit their website on www.ssvlimited.co.uk or visit them on stand 11 to 13 at BRX on the 11th and 12th of March at the ACC Exhibition Centre, Liverpool. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Right, so